Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles, cup your hand, whatever you want to do. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. About 1995, February thereabouts, of 1995, I received a call from Joel Osteen's daddy, John Osteen, who was a spiritual grandfather, and we kept a confession, and every time I think about him, he called me one day and he said, son, he said, you can build a great church if you'll do three things. He said, if you'll minister to the Lord in worship, minister to the people in prayer, minister God's word, he said, you'll build a great church. That's the balance of mosaic, and uh, we bring those components every week. Some people love uh, the prayer aspect, and that's your focus, and we're thankful for that. Some of you enjoy the preaching of the Word, and we're thankful for that. And uh, some of you really enjoy the worship and could care less what I have to say, (laughs) and I'm okay with that. Uh, Church is a, a balancing act because you have different people from different walks of life and people watching online and... Our goal has always been first to glorify the Lord. And uh, I obviously, as the pastor, have to make that decision how we're going to do that. And uh, I have always enjoyed uh, exuberant worship. And maybe it was because before I got born again, I worked in a nightclub. I loved music. And uh, I saw lost people uh, that were just expressive when the music came on. And as many religious people would say, well, that's just not right. But God made us uh, musical, every one of us, even though some of us can't sing, play. He made us that way. And uh, so it's, it's always been that delicate balance and, and, uh, of trying to make sure all three components work well together. Obviously, fellowship's a part of it and numerous things. But uh, if any of you ever have problems with the level of, of uh, the sound, we have earplugs. And you can fake it, and you can't even hear yourself sing, so you might even sing louder. But uh, it's just a lot of fun. And so I, my prayer has always been that we would, in one way or another, touch every one of you that come into this church. And uh, we so covet your prayers, or I do, knowing that uh, it has been the first year in the history of my ministry that we've had to minister through so many different things uh, and tensions of our world. And uh, I'm thankful that I'm the age I am uh, versus 30-something. I think I would have been chasing my tail and going, what do we do? But in, in these times, we must always realize God is in charge and that he will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He will always be with us. But today's message is a continuation uh, of a message I began weeks ago called Heroic Speech. Uh, we must watch the words of our mouths. Uh, by the words of our mouths, according to Matthew 12, 37, uh, the, the Message Bible says something like this. Our words bring us both salvation 
and our words can bring us damnation. And so the words of our mouths are critical to the lives that we're going, the lives that we will live. And it, I think it's very difficult sometimes for us when we see things that we would prefer to respond to uh, by our feelings or emotions to put those feelings and emotions in check and say the things that need to be said. Now, this is how the Amplified, Matthew 17, 20 says, He said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, that is your lack of firmly relying trust, uh, for truly I say to you, if you have faith that is living like a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to yonder place, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. There are a lot of people who debate the power of words. But once a word has been spoken, you cannot get it back. So if you speak something harmful or damaging to someone, you can apologize. You can say, I'm sorry, all you want. But the reality is that seed has been sown, and, and God can bring that seed out and, and deliver us from that. But the reality is the words of our mouths are so very, very important to the relationship we have with God and the relationships that we have with one another. And uh, so I want to address that today in a way that hopefully will help us uh, move forward in, in what we say. And I, I have, you know, the, the challenges of people say, well, I'm just me. I've just got to tell the truth. I've just got to say it the way it is. But, and, and sometimes I think there are words that we speak that challenge, admonish, uh, even words of correction uh, are powerful if they're done with a redeeming uh, mindset and a redemptive heart. Uh, you don't want someone to be hurt. So if you speak to them and say, you know, it's, can, I, can I address an issue in your life? And, and, you know, if you do it with a heart of God, there is hope for change. So today I want to talk about that. First off, last, the last time when I left off this message, what we say is what we believe. Uh, you know, there are people who say things and say, well, I don't really believe that. But the reality is, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And uh, it's very, very important that we ponder the words that we speak before we speak them. And I said this, our words reveal our heart, number one. They reveal who we really are. Not who we want people to think we are, but who we really are. And you squeeze someone, or if you are ever squeezed, that's really what comes out of you is really where we are. Now, it doesn't mean you have to stay there. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us because he said, I'll never leave you and forsake you. But the reality is that our words can create an atmosphere like none other. Uh, words of calm, words of encouragement, words that speak hope and faith into people's lives in the midst of uh, perilous situations. And so what we believe is, is comes out of our mouths. Our words convey our level of faith and tenacity or fear. They communicate that. And, uh, you know, the, the things that we often worry about, uh, your worry and my worry doesn't change anything really except our blood pressure. And you add a Red Bull to that and it really goes up. So I have to balance everything out on Sunday morning. Our words keep us single-minded. Now, that was the first week. Now, here's where I'm going to take off. What we say encourages us and encourages others or should. We become more committed as we speak. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily as long as it's called 
today so that none of you, listen to this, may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. When we encourage people, uh, we are shifting their focus to something positive and something good. Uh, I grew up in a church that all the church ever did was attack sin and the sinner. There was never any instruction as to how I could live a better life. And I'm not throwing that church under the bus. They were doing the best they could at the time. But it made me feel like there was never any hope for me because there was never a hope message preached. There was a, I had an incredible awareness of sin, but I was totally ignorant about hope and faith and the goodness of God. And it's very, very important that we understand we've come a long way. And many people don't like the positive or the encouragement that the Bible talks about for fear that people will get lost in that encouragement. How many of you know if you're going to get lost somewhere, get lost in encouragement. Get lost in hope. Get lost in faith. Uh, But don't get lost and locked up every day thinking that you're a horrible person and that your sin is greater than God's cross. Because it's not. And so we need to encourage one another. Words of faith build faith. We are what we say. We are not what we eat. You've heard it before. We are, we are what we eat. No, no, we are what we say. And if, if you always say, you know, I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I'm never going to amount to anything, you're turned in that direction already. And you will eventually move in that direction of believing that when God made you, he made a mistake. And the last thing that needs to happen is to tell someone, you are a mistake. Susan and I were talking yesterday. We had uh, spent uh, pretty much the week with my youngest daughter. And uh, when she was 16 uh, and a half, uh, she had an accident, a car accident. And it totaled her car. It was her fault. And, uh, of course, when everything is going wrong, dad gets the call. And, And so... At that point in my life, it was very easy for me to say, well, honey, are you okay? Are the people in the other car okay? She said, yes. I said, then don't worry about a thing. We all make mistakes. We all have accidents. I could have gone on and said, now, what were you doing? What were you thinking? Were you on your phone? I could have gone down that list. But the reality is, it was already a difficult situation. And the words that I would speak would determine the relationship that she and I would have. And she would never forget those words. I promise you. When someone has been shamed, and we all have... Shame sticks to you like Velcro or a Velcro ball to Velcro. And this is Mark Crow, and I should have named one of my kids Vel. Anyway, so you, we have to be careful because words hurt. And growing up as a baby boomer, you know, we all heard the words, uh, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That's the dumbest statement ever because words are the most destructive thing in your life. I can heal from a stick hitting me or a rock hitting me because I've had them hit me in the head. And, you know, there's a scar there, but I don't see it. But as my hair gets thinner, it probably will reveal itself. And so, but words stick. And, and they're very hurtful if they're hurtful words. So it's very, very important that we guard what we say. There are five types of friends that will help you or destroy you. Listen to these. One friend says, I need you. The other friend says, I'll feed you. The other one says, I'll bleed you. The other one says, I'll lead you. And the other one says, I'll heed you. 
And so we have to ask ourselves, what kind of friends do I have? The ones that need me? Because quite frankly, I'd rather be wanted than needed. That just seems healthier to me, though I understand there are times when people need us, and that's okay. But then there are times that people bleed you out. And I'm, when I say not, not physically, I'm saying that emotionally, that they will bleed out of you any optimism you ever held on to. You know, well, you know, the world's bad. Yeah, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. You ever heard that? Well, guess what? We were built to handle worse. Nothing's too difficult for God. And if you're going through something, God's right there with you. And he said, I won't let you be tempted beyond what you're able to handle. And so we have to recognize that, that our words are going to give hope and light and life or they're going to destroy and keep us hidden in darkness. Sometimes when you speak positive in the face of negative situations, you will be criticized. People will say, you, you're just not a realist. You're not realistic. You're right. I'm an optimist. And uh, I see reality but I'm optimistic that my reality can change in one minute. And so I'm just going to declare what it could be instead of what it is. I'm not denying what it is. Uh, even Jesus said in the world you have tribulation. He said, but take courage, I've overcome the world. He is acknowledging we have trouble, we have tribulation. He said, but you can take courage because I've already fixed everything. And so whenever your things are bad for you, say, you know what? They're going to get better. But right now, they're, you know, no, 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 let's not talk about right now, because right now stinks. But what could come out of now doesn't have to. Psalm 27, 13 says, I'm still confident of this. This is the psalmist. I'm still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He's saying, I'm not waiting for heaven. He said, I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And some of y'all right now are in a place and watching online where it's really bad. And you need to be confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. People say, well, when we go to heaven, when we go see Jesus, no, 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 no. I'm going to see the goodness of God right here in the land of the current living. I was listening to a story of a young lady who's on staff at a very, very large church in a huge staff meeting. So they were pretty good size. All the department heads would be there, and there'd be 20 to 30-some department heads. And they would have discussions. Anybody have anything they need to say? And the children's pastor was a lady. She lifted her hand, and she was in her early 40s. And she and her husband had been trying to have children for, for two decades. I mean, they just wanted children, and, and uh, it just looked like everything was against her. She was told that probably would never happen. And uh, so, you know, everybody on staff knew what she was believing for. Everybody knew what she was declaring. And, and one day the pastor of this huge church came in, and he had not heard this. Uh, I mean, he had heard that she couldn't have children. And, and uh, she lifted her hand during the staff meeting and said, I, I just need to let all of you know in the fall I'm going to be need, needing to take off a maternity leave. Well, the pastor's kind of looking around, waiting for someone to respond, knowing that she was never going to have children, that the doctors had already declared there's a very highly unlikely chance you'll ever, ever have children. So after the staff meeting, he politely went to one of the other staff members and said, did, did I miss a memo or did I miss an email? Uh, you know, she said she needs off in the fall. Is she pregnant? They said, no. Well, fall comes around and 
Come to find out, she just kept declaring, I've got the children's rooms ready, and I'm going to need time off. She became pregnant. And she went on to have a full-term pregnancy and, and give birth to a beautiful baby. And, you know, people would criticize her. They would be nice to her, but behind her back, say, you know, it's just never going to happen. I hope she's able to deal with it. But she kept declaring by faith what was going to happen in her life. You say, well, that's kind of an extreme case. Yeah, it sure is, but we serve an extreme God who does extreme things when we exercise extreme faith. Now, a lot of people hate it when you start talking about a heroic speech and the words that we speak. Paul said, I believe, therefore I speak. God speaks of future events with much certainty as though they've already passed. There are things that we... We don't control the outcome. We control in our hearts and minds the words that we declare. I believe those real words actually come into agreement with God's word. And, and over time, if we will continue, it's amazing what we're going to see. So don't give up your words just because you're criticized and people doubt you and they doubt God. Don't give up on those words. Keep declaring what you believe to be true. And you know what? You say, well, what if I die and it never becomes true? How do you shame a dead person? If I die with something not happening, go for it. Stand over my grave and say what you want. I'll be dancing with Jesus. I really don't care what you think. But we're so worried about having to give an explanation for what might not happen instead of declaring the words of what, what might happen instead of what might not. So give, give place to your word. Encouragement is sometimes very strong. Martin Luther, the great reformationist, German reformationist, uh, some of you uh, may have heard of him, some maybe not. I just happen to have a degree in theology, so we, we studied Martin Luther a lot and the 95 Theses and all the things that he did that were out there. But Martin Luther once was so depressed over a prolonged period of time that one day his wife came downstairs wearing all black. Martin Luther said, who died? She said, God has. He said, God hasn't died. And she said, well, live like it and act like it then. Now, that's an encouraging word, a strong encouraging word, rebuking her husband, knowing he was in a state of depression and somebody needed to lift him out of it. And she said, you're acting like God is dead, that God can't fix your situation. God can't take care of our situation. That's what you're acting like. And she got his attention. Now, sometimes we think encouragement's getting the pom-poms out and the skirt, and most of you guys don't have good enough legs to put the skirt on. So put the pom-poms away and just realize that sometimes a word of encouragement comes with a strong correction or pointing something out. Sometimes people need to hear words that challenge what they say and what they believe. And we all have opinions about God. We all have opinions about church. We all, have, we all have these opinions. If we would walk into these auditoriums and church auditoriums saying, God, today is your day. I was spending the day with Oral Roberts many years ago and had the privilege of spending some time with him. And, you know, people always had opinions in Tulsa about Oral Roberts and praying hands and 900-foot Jesus and all that. And, but the reality was that Oral was a really great man who loved God with everything in him. And there are many, many thousands of people have come to know Jesus through his ministry. And uh, many, many people have experienced, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Uh, and, and so Oral started a healing ministry. And, but I said, what was, and I would have expected 
a different response. I said, what was the toughest thing you've ever experienced in ministry? And I expected him to say, well, you know, I, I had a 10,000-seat tent, and, you know, people would come, and, you know, people would get healed, and there were critics and newspapers. I expected something like that. And he said, let me tell you what the number one thing I received criticism for. wasn't 900-foot Jesus. He said, the day that I put God is a good God on television, he said, you would have thought I would have cursed to the cameras. Because in that day, the perception of people was that God was a mean God. God was a judgmental God. And one day he's going to come back and he's going to sort all this mess out. And you're not going to be a part of it. It's very simple. God is a good God. We don't serve an age of miracles. We serve a God of miracles. And that people get to choose to believe that or not believe that. But quite frankly, if today I wanted to live and I was dying. And somebody came to me and said, can I pray for you? That God would touch you, you'd be a fool to say no. Let me repeat that. You'd be a fool to say no. So why do we wait until we hit a pinnacle of our crisis before we see God as he really is? God is a good God. God has your very best in heart and mind. I want people to hear that from coast to coast and around the world. Because some people are one positive, encouraging word away from their miracle, that somebody just breathed life into the ember of hope that was glowing in their soul, waiting for a fire to be ignited. And sometimes what ignites that fire is the breath of a believer that simply says, I believe, and God is a good God. And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And if you speak to the mountain and say, move from here to there, and you don't don't doubt, it'll happen. The Bible is true, either all of it or none of it. And I know that for years in history proves that churches that believe in the whole Bible and that live like they believe in the whole Bible will always be criticized by bitter people. I was one of those bitter people. When I wasn't living for God, I'd get up on Sunday morning. to Actually, I wouldn't even get up. I'd be coming home from a club somewhere and driving by churches And I would curse the church. And the only reason I did was because I was scared to death of y'all and God. I thought Christian people were weird. Come to find out I wasn't that far off. We are strange. We believe in someone we've never seen. But we know we have a creator. It's called faith. And so we need to continue speaking life to people. Next, what we say often creates what we do. It doesn't just reveal what we believe, but it will determine what we do. When I said I was going to start a church, those words dropped in me and I started a church. When we declared things, we did things. Often what you declare, you will end up doing, so be careful what you declare. Uh, oftentimes, people in a moment of anger get mad and they say things they regret. Before you ever open your mouth, Double check what you're about to say. Because pride will grab hold of that word. And it will be your pride that keeps you going in the wrong direction for fear that you have to apologize to somebody for saying what you said. So rather than apologize, you go through with what you said that you don't want to go through with. But your words put your feet in motion. Matthew 9, 20. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind Jesus and touched 
the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, now everybody in her world knew who she was. This was a woman, the Bible says, who spent every dime she had trying to get well. And finally, she said, if only, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Those were her words. She pressed through the crowd. Jesus turned and saw her. And he says, take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. Now, I want you to get a picture of this. Crowds are pressing in on Jesus. It would be impossible for a normal human being to know if you were touched by someone in that crowd and who it was. But the Bible states that faith was released, uh, power was released because of her faith and her declaration. This woman needed help, and she said, if I only can touch the hem of his garment, if I only, some of you are just, if I only, this far away from seeing God do something great. But you're afraid, and your family uh, will criticize you. My mother, we laid her to rest just over a month ago. And I was talking to one of my children last Sunday after Father's Day, and we're having lunch, and he was asking me questions about growing up. My mother had three sisters and a brother. She was the only Christian that grew up as a Christian. She went to church when she was young. Her family didn't. And she gave her life to Jesus at a very early age. She began playing the piano in a little church and served God all of her life. But for most of my life growing up, I had an uncle that uh, married one of my mom's sisters, obviously, and he was an Air Force pilot, very intelligent man. And I remember all my life growing up, my mother talking about Jesus every time we would get around them. She was very positive, very encouraging, talking about salvation and the Lord. And my uncle would mock her, as would all of her sisters. But over time, my mom kept declaring over time, every one of her siblings and their, and their spouses gave their life to Jesus Christ. She never gave up. And it was a great testimony to me that she stood her ground in the face of animosity, criticism, sometimes even hatred. I'd hear my uncle say mean things, but after he got born again... He would sit down with me knowing I had a couple of degrees in theology. And he would sit down with me and he would just talk about the Bible. And I would just listen to him and he'd ask me questions and I would give him the best answers I could. But he was so hungry for God. But it was all the result of one little person. Little 5'3 lady that refused to change her confession or profession of faith. And it led these people to Jesus. You know, an oak tree is nothing but a little nut that refused to give up. So maybe you're just a little nutty. Don't elbow your spouse right now. But over time, your words can make a difference in people's lives. If I only. What we say, and this is very important, releases the power of God. What we say 
releases the power of God. You see, you say, well, God's almighty, all-powerful, and he is. But God will never violate your will or my will ever. He'll never violate our will. Whatever we allow God, whatever position we allow him to be in in our lives, whatever we do either restricts God or releases God. In other words, salvation is for everyone. Jesus has literally forgiven, forgiven everyone on planet earth. You say, well, then why isn't everyone good with God? Because he didn't make them accept him and release the power of salvation to their life. So most people think, well, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus, Lord, believe in my heart, God raised him from the dead, I'll be saved. That's true. But it, it, it says, speak to your mountain and that you confess or you say, Jesus is Lord. It's what we declare. Most people stop right there. They never move beyond salvation. And that is demonic attack on everything that God wants you to be. It's the sanctification process that begins after salvation. And that salvation prayer, that confession of faith is what gets you to heaven. What gets heaven to earth is the words that we speak after the salvation that says, I believe your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I release the power of God by the words I declare. Luke chapter 1 verse 35, the angel answered, Holy Spirit will come upon you. This is the angel and Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who has said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant. Listen to this, Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said, then the angel left her. May it be to me as you have said. In other words, she's saying, I release the power that you possess to impregnate me with your son. Had she said no, I believe with everything in me, the angel would have had to find another woman. Because Jesus is such a great gentleman and God is such an awesome God that he will not push on you something that you don't release him to do in you. Where is God? Well, go back and record your words. He said, I'll never leave you. I'm here. But when we declare something, it releases his words. Listen to this. Numbers 14, 27. How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, don't miss this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. There are times I love that verse, and there are times I hate that verse. Not, I will do to you the very things you're thinking, the things you've heard. I'll do the things you say. You remember the story, 12 spies go into the promised land to get ready to go in and possess it. Ten of them come out in doubt, and the Bible says they never entered in to the promise. Their declaration defeated them. But Joshua and Caleb and those who had faith and believed walked into the promise. Folks, I'm not trying. This is not magic. This is not anything weird. This is simply the Bible, and most people have not read the Bible in a way that says, what is the Bible for? 
It's an instruction manual telling us how to live and experience God in ways that we would not experience Him if we did not know what it says. Most people, all they think about God is He's going to come back and He's going to sort it all out and I'm pretty sure He's mad. That's what religion does. Religion creates a division between man and God. Faith creates unity. Religion is a bunch of man-made rules, typically, just like the Pharisees did, added to the Word of God somewhere. How many of you ever heard these words, cleanliness is next to godliness? It's not biblical. So if your kid stinks, it doesn't mean he's going to hell. My mother used to say that all the time, cleanliness is next to godliness. I went, man, hope God doesn't come back on Friday before I take a bath on Saturday. But we make up things. You know another thing that's made up? Money is the root of all evil. I heard that my whole life, so everybody was poor and I was disgusted. I'm thinking, why are all the... the I, I, honestly, that's, that's what I heard my whole life. Guess what? It's not right. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Then I found out it was okay to have money. It just wasn't okay for money to have me. You see what I'm saying? So you, you, if you're not careful, somebody slips a wrong word in on you and that's what you become and that's what you believe so we create a religion or a relationship with God that we're comfortable with listen you don't have to worry about comfort he said he'll comfort you you don't have to worry about becoming comfortable matter of fact I would pray that we'd be very uncomfortable that God would be doing things that we can't explain and he does it all the time. I cannot explain to you how we got through the pandemic without any government assistance. I got calls from pastors all over the country saying, are you, you know, applying for the PPP? And, you know, we tried for two or three weeks. And Susan and I went to banks. We did everything we could because we're a nonprofit. It's available, but it's a lot more difficult to get as a nonprofit. And so finally one day, I, saw, I felt like God said, you know what? You don't need the government's money. I got you. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with anybody who got it. Matter of fact, God bless you, man. I think it's great that you did. And I'm not critical of anyone who did it that way. I'm just saying for me, I felt like God said, do you trust me? And maybe they already trusted God and they trusted him in a different way, but that was for me. And I just realized, I thought, God, Mosaic Church belongs to you. If you want to keep it open, fund that sucker. If you don't, then don't. It's, it's all good with me. I just, I believe God. And I think our best days are ahead. I think your best days are ahead. I think the best days for our world is ahead. Because I'm going to tell you something, God will not be defeated. The devil wants to paint this dark, dark picture. But I'm telling you right now, it's going to get brighter and brighter until the full light of day. And that, that it's going to be okay. I think the greatest thing we can do as believers is look in the face of negativity and smile and sometimes you just don't have to say anything. They'll drug test you. Because you're smiling in the face of something you're not supposed to file, smile in the face of. And sometimes the best words that are spoken are words that are not spoken. So it says, in the desert your bodies will fall, every one of you 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Now, we know that Jesus came, and, and we're in this great, incredible dispensation of grace. Uh, but there are still consequences for the words that we speak. 
and we absorb those. One person says, it's a great pity the right of free speech isn't based on the obligation to say something sensible. Review your comments before they come out. Reduce your response and then respond. Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. James 1, 19 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This week, I would challenge all of us to take a moment before we speak and ask ourselves the question, is what I'm about to say going to be productive and produce the fruit that I want it to produce? I'm not asking you to commit intellectual suicide. We do have a brain. However, I'm asking the question, what good will it do to say what you're about to say? And then the tone with which you say it, the heart with which you say it. I believe, therefore I speak. I declare things every weekend over this church. Some people would laugh. Some people would say, well, it's never going to happen for you. I've always watched God do the things that he had planned to do if I would agree with him. How many of you agree with God? Nothing's impossible. You got a child that's off course. They've been off course for many, many years. And you've given up hope. Today, don't give up hope. Let your words declare, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And my son and my daughter, on earth as it is in heaven, bring heaven to them, bring healing to them, bring righteousness to them, bring hope to them, bring friends that will speak life to them. It's so easy to want to control, correct, and fix if you're a type A, you want to fix everybody and everything. And boy, let me tell you, I was on that mission for many, many years. Now I can sit back and smile and I can say, God, into your hands I commit whoever. And God, when I say that, not to judge them, not to hurt them. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, well, you know, I just pray they hit bottom pretty quick. Aren't you the believer I want praying for me? I go, God. Put a net at the bottom. Catch them before they fall. Protect us from all harm, God. Protect them. Because some of y'all want people to hit it, splat, and you want to stand over the splat. God told you so. Okay, see ya. Where's the Christianity in that? Our faith is to encourage one another, believe the best. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have believed the best in us, so much so that you gave your son to die for us, believing that we would honor his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that we would acknowledge and accept who he was, who he is, and who he will always be. God, may our words be a wonderful, beautiful fragrance of hope to those around us. May we declare your promises and your word, not our feelings and not our emotions, not our anger. We give our tongues over to you, God. We give our speech over to you. Help us to learn your word 
and your words that we might bring life and light to the people around us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there are those of you watching online, maybe those of you in here that have yet to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says all who call on his name will be saved. So today we want to pray a prayer. We want to always give opportunity for people to accept Christ. So I'm going to ask all of you in here and watching online, pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I call on your name and I believe I'm saved because of what you've done in my faith in your work. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do something very simple, yet I think very powerful. Is text the word saved to 405-500-1310. And if you would, put your name there and we'd like to pray for you and like to stand with you as you begin your journey in Christ. And you know, it, it's challenging. I grew up in a very negative, fearful home. Uh, I love my mama. She was great, but you know, they didn't have much money and and she did everything she could to, to lead us to Jesus. And she lived a life that made me want to serve God. But I don't remember a lot of positive words. And, uh, you know, times were tough. But don't let those tough times determine the words of your mouth. Let God's word determine your words. And watch and see what happens. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.